0: Sports Radio 1043, The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now,
1: celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado Radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back and we are going right back to the phones as I promised and joining Mr. Zelinski again. Good morning again, Nate. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. And I'm just, uh, he sounds, Jeff sounds like he's going to be almost too easy to please.
0: I was just going to say, holy cow, we're uh, we're going to have to to find something really special to boost that excitement level. Uh, well, he's you know, excited. Most people give me a very hard time trying to trying to break some crazy goals. So yeah. well, I think we'll, on, we'll, we'll, we'll set it up for him.
1: I think he is excited because he was just really excited when I talked to him on the phone and he found out he was the winner and everything. But I think he's just looking forward to having a trip with us. I mean, it just shows you what having this publicity is done people think we can actually fish
0: (laughs) (laughs) you just hope it's one of those days we get lucky you know
1: yeah no i think we'll show them a really good time i mean you know you've been one of the top ice fishing guides and and promoters around here for a long long time i was an original founding member of the ice team and also the host of minnesota masters of ice fishing for over a decade so i think we'll bring a little bit to the party Absolutely. We'll have a good time. That's for sure. We that's will. I'll sure. get his contact. I'll, 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 like I do anything. Karen will get you his contact information. Why do I even say that I'm <laughs> she going already
0: to did it? I got the email while I was on the phone with
1: you. See, see, I'm, that's how good I am.
0: She's on it. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, Mr. Zelinsky, you want to talk some hunting. What's going on?
0: Yeah. You know, we can talk fishing, talk hunting. I mean, obviously, you know, same thing. I, uh, as a, as an outdoorsman, I've been on the water and in the woods just 24 seven. I found a really nice mix, uh, This last week or so, my wife has a moose tag starting Monday. Uh, we got pronghorn hunts coming up. My wife has a tag. I have a tag as well. Uh, First rifle elk is coming up very shortly. So there's a lot of hunts going on. But also fishing has been great. So I've actually been spending a lot of time scouting for the first couple hours of the morning you'll get out there well before light hiking you know whatever your capable distance is or get to where you're trying to go um doing some glass and fighting elk pronghorns moose um then i've actually been hitting the lake midday well luckily now we're in those fall temperatures to where i'd say that that first light bite that we have been chasing literally since june so from june until really about the end of September, you know, we put a lot of focus on the early portion of the morning and the later evening section of the day. And now the fish are almost switching into banker's hours. You know, it's a, it's a midday thing. So I've actually been scouting early, fishing midday, and then going back in the woods to scout the evening. So it's been great to be able to kind of accomplish all of the worlds right now, uh, just as so many things are, are taking off and so many things are good uh, in that aspect. But with that being said, I really want to talk just a, a real quick thing about, about big game, elk, pronghorn, or even deer coming up second rifle um you and i have a good friend named von peterson he, he's with bass pro but i was in there the other day actually picking up some uh, some new pants that i tore on a on the moose scouting trip and the wall and line of people in the ammunition aisle was literally out of, of control there was 50 people buying ammunition for their upcoming big game hunt and again we, we say it every year and i'm not going to try to you know dwell on it but you know when a hunt is a week or 2 weeks away it's one of those things that you really want to want to try to pick it earlier you know and the thing that I think we talk about is not all ammunition shoots the same out of each gun and that's what I want to touch base on today so guys will go in and You know, they'll say, Hey, I have a thirty 6 or a three hundred, whatever caliber rifle they're shooting. And they'll have an idea of the grain bullet they're shooting. Not necessarily maybe even knowing the style of bullet, uh, you know, the the weight retention and everything else that comes with a bullet, but they're more thinking just seriously, all they think about is weight and you're like, All right, I got a hundred and eighty grain bullet, we're good. And they go shoot and, you know, the rifle might not love that round. And all of a sudden they're, you know, they're playing with their scopes and they're working with things. And in reality, sometimes it's the ammo, not the rifle, not the scope or the shooter. And it comes down to the ammo and that ammo might shoot great out of another firearm, but your firearm wants a particular time. So, you know, I go out there and buy two or three or four styles of, of ammunition, whether it's you know a Federal or a Nozzle or a Hornady or whatever the case may be. But shoot multiple rounds out of your gun and see which one groups better. And once they group but you're going to really group in as long as they're grouping. Then adjust your scope to that group, and you're going to have a, a really winning success as far as a, a good combination of rifle scope and round of ammo that you're shooting. So looking at these lines, I know that people are a little bit behind time, just from what I saw yesterday. Yesterday. But with that being said, when you go in there, you know, take your calendar, buy two or three boxes of each, go out there, shoot them, and really find what shoots great out of your firearm. Um, and that's the first step. Again, don't let it just reside on, oh, shoot a 180 bullet, perfect, they're all the same, because they're not. And, and shoot different manufacturers, find what's the best of your firearm. Build that confidence. That's what's going to lead to a more successful hunt this, this coming fall.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, and what I always tell people too, when you get to this time of the year, you know, you and I have a mantra that stay ready to hunt, don't get ready to hunt. You should be out shooting. You should have checked your scope mounts. In fact, Colorado Clay's good friends of ours have uh, uh, sight in clinics every Sunday mornings. You can go to their website and they'll help you make sure your scope mounts are there, and they'll have professionals and make sure you at least get on paper and then and get it cited in but if you're shooting this late if you obviously you probably are behind like you said and it we're not going to tell you not to hunt but what i'm going to tell you is that make sure you understand at least at a point where everything you do is safe and ethical and then set your expectations accordingly, the fact that you can't perform at the level as far as shooting out as far because you haven't been practicing, and that you probably haven't done the scouting, so ho- you, hopefully you'll harvest an animal. But enjoy your time out, but make sure you temper your expectations when you're this far behind, Nate. A- absolutely.
0: And I think that and we always say, hey, get out there, I mean, even if it's last minute. If you buy a tag at 6 p.m. before the, the morning hunt – Get out there and hunt. By no means are we saying that. But I think the biggest thing is, yeah, just know what you're doing and, and give the animal, you know, what they deserve. You know, make sure that you're not wounding them. You're not again, the whole ethics, you know, concept. Um, just make sure you do it right. And I think the biggest thing is even just realizing that there is a difference. You know, a hundred and eighty grain of this manufacturer and this style bullet is different than hundred and eighty grain of this manufacturer this style bullet. So more importantly, even though you're done might have been dialed last year or even dialed last week, and you shot all that ammo. Now you went to the store and it's different. Don't go into the woods expecting the same shot placement and the same results out of possibly a different ammunition or even a different lot number. I mean, no, you can have the same manufacturer, the same bullet. You know, if you're six, seven months off and they've done a new batch of rounds, it can all be different. So just make sure that you know where it's hitting and make sure you have enough ammo to get yourself through the season. Um, If you have bought new ammo or anything like that, go to the range. Get out there and shoot before you, you take a shot on an actual live animal. You know, and the other big thing is, I see it every year to where guys go from shooting at, at Colorado Clay or Chase McStay Park or wherever, and they go from using a bench and they're sitting down and calm, they're wearing a T-shirt, and then they go out there and they're shooting on shooting sticks and they're shooting you know, prone or whatever your your situation leads you to. But make sure that you're practiced for everything. Because, again, those are things you can do now, but you only live with regret afterwards. I mean, you, you go through all these things in your head and you follow a miss or follow a wound. Um, and, again, it's all the things that you – and try your best to do now. And with that being said, after you have that ammo fixed, or you're certainly good. Get out there and scout. I'll tell you right now, it happens every year, especially on the elk side. And we're going to talk about that is, you know, Colorado gives these animals a very long break between archery and rifle. They give them a 20-something day break. Um, and these animals are literally using that break between archery and rifle almost turning into what I consider the prime rut. Usually we always say they're rutting hard in early September, and they are going through rut activities. They're bugling, they're breeding. Um, but really, the second all the pressure leaves the woods, we see a, a drastic increase in rut activity um, the second that happens. So right now, the bulls are literally going crazy everywhere I've been, from... Six, 7,000 feet in elevation, up to ten, twelve thousand 12,000 feet in elevation. The bulls are gathering cows, working cows, bugling. They're staying out slightly longer. You know, to where they're in the archery season, we're scouting and or hunting. These animals were going to bed at 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m. Um, you know, it seems like they're holding out a little bit longer. The temperatures are cooler. So right now is the time while they're being vocal. Good chance it's gonna last all the way until first rifle, but even if it doesn't, right now why they're being vocal, get out there, find these animals, scout them out, learn some behavioral habits, know where they're bedding, know where they, they feed. There's no where they're at in the situation which you'll be pursuing them, that first couple hours of light, the last couple hours of light. Build those little pieces of, of information so when you get out there in the woods in two weeks, um, you're ready to, to, to capitalize on those opportunities and, and create that success. And especially as first rifle comes in, uh, I don't ever want to say the animals are dumb, but they, they get somewhat naive with no pressure in the woods. But the second the guns start going off of that first rifle season, so I think it's October 13th, the second the firearms start going, those animals learn real quick that bugling, cow calling, being in the big herds, causes some danger and and it can possibly you know again end in a bad way for these animals so the the first day the second day your odds are are through the roof it's the best successful hunt that we have in the state as far as the odds go but on day three and four your odds start going down because the bulls start separating from the cows they stop bugling because they know that the the you know the the bugling the calling all that is going to get them killed so by scouting now you can take advantage of those first couple of days when the animals are still somewhat naive and really create that success that you might not have had in the in the past. So scout, get your guns out in, and capitalize those first couple of days of that season. And that's uh, that's gonna be the best advice that anybody can get right now. Uh,
1: absolutely. And real quick, you uh you scouted this earlier this year for a sheep, and you've scouted for elk for decades. Because you're getting almost to be as old as I am, but oh yeah, and and now you're scouting for moose. Can you tell me, between the sheep and the moose, are you really finding? Are you adding, changing, improving your scouting habits? I definitely. I, I would
0: say if I had to say that one skill level got better from all these different hunts that I've been on this year, just kind of more tags than I'm used to you know, acquiring in the fall, um, I would say that my stalking level got much better. I got much quieter in the woods. Um, I'm in a little better shape you know, drastically, I'd say, than I normally am. So I can come through the woods a little quieter than normal. So I've been getting a lot closer to animals than I ever have in my life. So I'd say that's the number one thing that changed that helped me. Um, and all of the animals have different things that you look for, you know, and elk when I'm scouting, I'm looking for them in certain terrain, certain time. Um, these moose that I'm on right now are actually starting to rut pretty hard, and they're not moving. So this morning, uh, we got on a really good solid bull, um, and this bull, literally over the course of three hours, moved about 20 feet to where, and we're seeing this in, in almost every drainage that I'm finding moose in, to where... Normally, you can glass from a high point for elk and sheep and cover a lot of ground. And these moose will get into a little pocket, whether it's pines or you know scrub oak or whatever it may be, and they won't move. So I'm having to put a lot more footwork in on the moose to actually get in there, tramps around, um, almost do more more walking around than I like. In the elk and sheep world, I try to keep a distance so they don't know I'm there. But with moose, you'll never see them. So I'm tramping around spreading more scent than I normally would like to, but it's what you have to do to bump into these moose in these smaller areas. So doing a lot more legwork on the moose than I would do on the other animals. Uh, But guys, It's working. We've we've located, we probably have 15 to 18 big mature moose located. Um, Mandy, my wife, is a tremendous hunter, and uh, I'd say she's going to look for the the biggest bull moose that uh, is possibly out there. So I don't think we have a, a, a surefire shooter for opening day yet, um, but we'll see what happens uh, over the next uh, you know
1: 24, 48 hours, and go from there. All right. Last thing, we got about a minute or two left. But you mentioned early on you're getting on the lake in the middle of the day, and this fall fishing really does go to that. I'm going to throw out a couple of things that I think is why it happens, and get your your feedback on it. One is the shad based lakes. We're starting to finally see the water cool, and after today, we're going to see some stressed shad. They're going to start schooling up. Some may be on. They may be surfacing at times. They may be deep. But because those shad are schooled up, these fish are feeding opportunistically all day long, and that's. that's. That's why we can fish in the middle of the day. On the trout, I think the water does get significantly cool at night. We see more bug activity, and even the baitfish that are available in the lakes get a little more active as the water warms. Is that what you're seeing? Is that what's driving the middle of the day fishing?
0: Water temperature is the biggest thing. It gathers the shad and drops the shad a little deeper. So I love seeing that because when the shad go deeper, the walleyes and the trout and the bass, everything starts utilizing structure. So going from a suspended bite where we have been, now they're on structure because they shattered deeper they're gathered, so we love that. And then the chow thing, the same thing, water temperature condenses, the weeds fall down, the studs come out. It really just gathers everything. And then the other big factor is that full moon in late September, early October, it's a very powerful moon. And if you track everything, there's... There's more crimes, there's more babies born. It's a really shook up of, of kind of the atmosphere. And that big moon is definitely a big driving factor of kicking off the fall bite, regardless of temperature. So anytime you get that big fall moon, it really tends to pull those shad high. It gathers them hard. And that water cools off, and the shadow will stay together as they drop into that deeper water. Uh, it kind of kicks off that big fall bite for pike. They know that the, the fall is here. It's time to bulk up. You know, a big 40-inch pike might gain four to seven pounds uh, in preparing for this coming winter. Uh, so, yeah, temperatures dropping, big moon. Uh, it's definitely the fall forage for everything that we have
1: here in Colorado. Nate, we're out of time. If somebody wants more information or book a trip, tightlineoutdoors.com and tightlineoutdoors on Facebook.
0: That's it, you know, and I actually just had three cancellations for myself on the boat, so if you don't have to get those, uh, shoot me an email, shoot me a text, we'll get you on the water, and uh, yeah, definitely, we have a few spots left, get hold of us, uh, the fishing's
1: incredible right now. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you again next week. Talk mm-hmm. to Thank Nate Zielinski, Tightland Outdoors, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Cleff here
2: to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web. 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. Zero zero
0: seven one six.
1: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! You're listening to Terry Wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. Uh, joining us from Sportfish, Colorado, is Robbie Richardson. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Terry. How you doing? Good. You know, you I, we've done? been hearing we've been hearing all these rumors from up at. Uh, up up about Blue Mesa, which you guide on, and I thought we better go right up to our resource there and, uh, and find out what's going on at Blue Mesa because it's a long drive from here, and we want people to get there and enjoy it and understand what's happening. So kind of update us. First thing I think we need to talk about is the water level. We're hearing that it's down considerably. Is there still boat access?
2: Yes. There has been a lot of rumors floating around about whether there boat ramp is going to stay open or not. Uh, there's only one boat ramp open, but there is boat ramp or boat launching ability. Um, it's the Elk Creek boat ramp that they still have open. And uh, they, according to the muscle inspector that I talked to the other day, they're going to do everything in their power to keep it open until the lake ices up.
1: When, where is that ramp located? I'm not familiar enough with the lake to know the geography of that.
2: So the Elk Creek boat ramp is kind of the midpoint of the lake. Uh, the turnoff is at mile marker 142 on Highway 50. And that's where the restaurant and the main, when it's open, the main marina is located.
1: All right. So we do have boat access, and the plan is to keep boat access until ice up. Now, what's the fishing been like?
2: Well, I, uh, I haven't been out a ton, Terry, but I did get out a few days over the, this last week. And uh, the rainbow trout are actually biting pretty good up on the surface in the mornings, uh, throwing cast masters and panther martins and even dunking some bait. Um, we also got into a few brown trout, but I think our water temps are hovering around 63 degrees. So uh, we haven't seen that major push for them to come shallow quite yet. And then uh, we actually got into some really nice yellow perch.
1: You know, a lot of people don't know that yellow perch are up there. What kind of depths are you catching those in? And is there any size?
2: Yeah, we've seen a variety of of sizes. Uh, kind of your average six to eight inch fish, and then we caught. I think the biggest one we caught was a little over thirteen and a half inches, um, but that's definitely not the norm. Uh, the depths that we're finding them right now, we're kind of focusing on that fifteen to twenty five foot of water.
1: And are you just jigging for them or spoons or jigs with bait or a little jig with a plastic?
2: Yes. uh, Depends on the day, but we'll throw a variety starting off of kind of a mix of a little spoon with a piece of worm on it. And uh, I'll have one guy jigging a spoon. I'll have another guy jigging a little plastic, a little crappie jig, a tube jig, something that imitates crawdads um, or a perch fry. And then each day they kind of tell you what, what direction you should head as far as uh, sticking with the jigging vertical jigging a spoon or if you should switch more to that natural presentation.
1: So what about the kokanee and the lake trout? Are you seeing much going on there?
2: We did a little bit of trolling for the kokanee. It's, it's definitely slowed way down. The ma, uh, majority of the mature fish have run out of the lake into the river, and sh- most of them should be getting up to the ponds at the hatchery about now. But uh, we've still caught a few of the mature salmon trolling around. Uh, most of them are coming back up shallow. Uh, we've been trolling lead core in that five, basically the surface to ten feet deep for them. Also catching some of the younger salmon mixed in with them, but it's not crazy. It's it's a little bit more work than it is most of the year. And then uh, our lake trout are still kind of deep. We've caught some in that 60 to 100-foot range, Uh, mostly the smaller fish. But we have had a few bigger fish hit our salmon rigs. None of them made it all the way to the boat, but uh, definitely left us and some clients with with fish stories
1: um you know what people think well blue mesa is way down but you know you talk what a big lake is you're still talking 100 feet of water you're finding lake trout i mean this is still a deep lake with a lot of water in it now as we get into the fall robbie um, i would expect those brown trout are going to move up around the banks and the and the inlets and you're going to see some aggressive fishing for those and i would think the lake trout will start to take off is that what you expect to see
2: Yes, absolutely. I think we're starting to see consistently nighttime lows around 28 to 32 degrees, and so that's going to get that water cooling, and And first the brown trout will move up shallow, and that'll probably here in the next two to three weeks, the bite should really turn on for them, and then a little bit after that, our lake trout will follow, and our lake trout, they seem to be a little more focused on sp- spawning in the fall, but um, there's always the opportunity of a lot of times guys will see these really big lake trout chase their, you know, their brown trout jerkbait or whatever they're throwing uh, up to the shore or up to the boat. And so there's always the potential of hooking into a big lake trout in the fall as well as they kind of wrap up their spawn and they're looking their to- put some calories on before the winter.
1: Now that brown trout fishing in the fall, I love that. And it's almost like bass fishing, the way you work the shore with, uh, I used to use marabou jigs or jigs with a plastic and like you said, jerk baits and crank baits and throw to the shore, almost like I'm bass fishing. Is that what you guys do?
2: Yeah, Terry, it just, you described it perfectly. It's just like bass fishing. There's a lot of action. Um, The crawdad, you know, the younger crawdads are getting to a size that are, Uh, just perfect for those fish to eat and digest and so they're really keyed in on crawdads the younger perch fry that have hatched over the summer and it just, it can be a hoot out there.
1: I don't think people know how big some of those brown trout can get too. There is substantial brown trout in Blue Mesa, isn't there?
2: Yes, they uh, I mean big brown trout are very smart and elusive but I've had a couple clients over the years catch
1: some around 10 pounds and I know there's bigger ones in there. So Robbie, we gotta run, but if people want more information or to get a hold of you to book a guide trip, what do they do?
2: They can uh they can check out our website, sportfishcolorado.com, dot com, or if people are looking for reports on the fishing or the boat ramp, they can give me a call or shoot me a text at my phone number which is seven one
1: nine six four nine three three seven eight. And is your phone number also on your website? Yes, sir. So sportfishcolorado.com can handle it all, and they can go from there. You bet, Terry. Robbie, thanks for joining us. Great information. I appreciate the update. Yep. Thanks, Terry. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, and joining us on the phones... One of our favorite contributors, Bernie Keefe. Good morning, Bernie.
3: morning, Terry. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. And, you know, we were just talking to the guys up at Blue Mesa, and it's kind of off and on again there. They haven't really seen the browns take off yet. They should start soon, and the lake trout get a little elusive up there during the spawn. And then they come back, and they fish pretty good in late fall again. But in Granby this time of the year for the lake trout, it's a different story, isn't it?
3: Yeah, we have, I don't know, we probably have about 30 so far or more.
1: You're on the water right now?
3: Yeah, we're on the water. We have about 30 this morning. We got a decent bite out here. It's a little bit of a lull right now, but. Once we find another group of fish, we'll probably get tearing them up again.
1: Well, you know, you and I were just out, I think a year ago, I can't remember, I think it was, yeah, I went out with you and uh, about this time and I brought my son and my son-in-law and my grandson and I think we had, I don't know, 50, 60 fish on in a short period of time or more and we kept plenty and we had a great time. Um this time of the year, now if you can correct me cuz I know you you mastered that lake. Um we used to fish the bigger fish other times the lake. I used to fish the big spring big fish in the spring and then late in the fall and go after the numbers of fish this time of the year. Now I know you can still find some big fish this time of the year, but are you more concentrating on the numbers?
3: I'm concentrating on the numbers. The big ones got to spawn. I just I believe in leaving them alone during the spawn. I've never been a fan of fishing for the big fish to through the spawn. Um just go ahead and catch as many little of them egg eaters that you can which will protect the nest a little bit. And it's fun. I mean just get your rod bent to catch twenty, thirty, forty fish a day is a good time.
1: And it's a good time to take two or three home for the pan.
3: Oh exactly. Oh, oh if we if I had guy oh the guy could set the hook. Oh, he is blowing it. This guy is blowing it like the oh, he's still, he's he's still going to land this fish after all that. You should have saw this, Terry.
1: <laughs> so, Bernie, I are... no,
3: this is a great time to get them. You know, to get to get some for the smoker, to get some for the for the pan. Um, now we got a double on.
1: Yeah, you're going to be a busy guy there, Bernie. Hey, Bernie, what kind of depth are you seeing the fish in right now?
3: Right now, in fifty to seventy feet.
1: And then they will move shallower as we get into the ne- into the next few weeks.
3: Oh, yeah. In the next couple weeks, they're going to move real shallow. They'll move up to around 30 feet, 20 feet. Maybe as as shallow, you'll see groups of them in 15 feet if you're real lucky.
1: Well, and what can happen this time of the year, and I know you're busy landing fish there, but what can happen this time of the year is those small ones move up towards the staging for the spawn and things like that. You get them up by the dikes and up by the gravel areas and breaks, and it's not only a great boat activity to go fish, but you can fish them from shore coming up too.
3: Uh, you know, the, the shore bite's going to be just tremendous. Come around probably the second week of October, it's going to be really good. And one of the best lures to do that with are either crocodile spoons or the clam leech flutter spoon. Both those two are awesome from the bank.
1: So, what That's do you. Two favorite. So, you're throwing those out from the bank. What are you using on the boat right now?
3: On the boat right now, we're jigging little slab spoons, real bait spoons, and we're jigging tubes.
1: And how how big of a tube?
3: Uh, right now we got four inch tubes on.
1: Okay, and catching numbers of fish. Now before you, I know you're busy and you got clients and you're catching fish hand over fist. But what are what else is going on up in your area, real quick?
3: Uh, let's see. Wolford is doing really good for salmon. We were down there yesterday and uh, we caught. We had two limits by eleven o'clock, and that's been kind of the norm. Um, let's think about this for a minute. You
1: got some Coconey on Gramby too. I understand.
3: Yep, yep, the coconut and Gramby, but that closes down tomorrow morning. The last morning you're allowed to fish them.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. That bay closes. Uh, how it's about the rainbows st- and browns in Gramby? Are you seeing any of that?
3: They're tremendous. It's the the
1: brown trout fishery. They're spawning right now, so they're a little tough to find. But the rain,
3: but the rainbow, you go. You go into the bays and just use a slip bobber and uh, tube jig and a wax worm. You can't keep them off.
1: That's so could you just, do that from shore too, or boat, or both?
3: Oh, you can do it from both. I mean, we're, we're when we're fishing with them, you're definitely within a cast of shore.
1: Okay, so right That's, now, so right now, this has always been my favorite time of the year to come up to Granby, the month of October a little bit before and then into it. And you expect these, these smaller fish. And when you're talking smaller, you're not talking dinks. You're talking, what, 15 to 22 inches probably? Yeah,
3: we got two. We got a 23 and a 25 so far this morning, so they're not all dinks. I mean, they're, I think they're all respectable fish.
1: And, yeah, you get a bunch of 20-inch fish. That's a pretty fun day out in the water, especially when you can oh, catch.
3: Tremendous. And you catch you know, 30 one, one of the things, if guys are coming up here, a great thing to do is get your walleye gear out and come catch these guys on your walleye rod. Just pull it up with ten pound tests and your walleye rods you'll have so much fun your walleye jigs um all that stuff is so much fun
1: well oh, it yeah, and your feels you know they'll they'll give you a little fight on that light gear
3: oh they do they'll they'll double the rod up. it's my favorite way to chase
1: them in the fall. Oh, I, mine too. I love I love just jigging them, or even pulling my boat, or going on shore, getting them shallow, and, and or wherever they are, and just hooking up those fish, and you just have a blast. And you throw two or three of them in the in the in the in the box for a, a meal afterwards. And it's just and then right now, I imagine you're looking at the colors up on the mountain, and it's beautiful there. And you're going to get you know you got to watch the weather, but you can still get a lot of good weather, and just a great time to be up there, Bernie.
3: Oh, the trees this year. I think the trees might be the most amazing I've seen yet this year.
1: All right. Bernie, we're going to let you go. You're catching a lot of fish, but how do they get a hold of
3: you? Uh, Look me up on fishingwithbernie.com or Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, Instagram, Fishing with Bernie. Um, Any one of those can get a hold of me.
1: All right, or go to my YouTube channel and watch Fishing with Bernie. Bernie, we'll talk to you soon.
3: All right. Thanks, Jerry. You take care.
1: You bet. I'll tell you what, one of my favorite times to go up to Gramby is, Ben, since I've lived in Colorado since the 80s, has been going up there this time of the year. I love to go up there and catch fish. Right now, if you just want to get a bite, you know, if you think you can't find them, you can fish offshore in a couple of weeks. You'll get some casting. If you don't think you can locate them, take one trip with Bernie one fall or one of his guides or go up there and just do a little searching around, talk to people, uh, even somebody with just limited knowledge of finding them and limited abilities. Once you get over them, you should be able to catch 10, 20 fish in a day with a couple guys in the boat and just have an incredible time. It is so much fun. I just love going up there. And by the way, I mentioned my um, my YouTube channel, but I want to mention Facebook too. You know, we talked about, Talked with with Nate about the shad based fish moving in. Uh, I just covered that in my column on the Denver Post. We link to my column on the Denver Post uh, every time a new column comes out on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Also, I'm probably going to bring up my survival article I wrote a year ago and repost that as we're getting into the fall here for people to getting out hunting, winter fishing, camping. It, it talks about comfort and survival and it just gives you some tips on staying safe and really enjoying the outdoors during this changing weather. But we also post upcoming guests. Every time we have a new television show posted to our YouTube channel, it goes on our Facebook page. Our, my columns go on the Facebook page. Any special guests coming up, special podcasts we have on the show. So Terry Wicksham Doors on, on Facebook is really the way to follow the show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Ronnie Castiglione will join us on Terry Wicksham on 104.3 The Fan. Take It to the Limit by the Eagles. <clears throat> Incredible song. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us is Ronnie Castellone. Ronnie, um, I was looking at a note here, and it said you want to talk about timing the bite. Um, timing can be everything. Boy, I couldn't agree more. That can just add to your fishing success so much. So give me a few th- of your thoughts on it.
4: Yeah, Terry, you know, I think that's one of the important skills that experienced anglers. Definitely, you know, we've put in a lot of time and fished for a lot of years. And over the years, you start to see patterns that develop and, and certain things that show up. Some 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 new anglers may not get it. You know, they kind of show up to the lake and just expect to catch fish and, uh, and wonder why they struggle at times. And a lot of times it's not that the fish... Aren't there? You know, it's not that they weren't doing the right thing. It's that maybe their timing was off a little bit. So yeah, I wanted to kind of cover a few examples as far as timing goes, Terry, and fishing. Now, you know, the the obvious one and some of the big ones are seasonal timings, Terry. And you guys have been talking a little bit about that so far on the show today, talking about what's coming up. You know, timing some of the bites, whether the trout are going to move shallow, things like that. That's definitely one that we looked at here in Colorado because our seasons change so dramatically. So understanding seasonal timings and where fish want to be what water temperatures they like where they're going to spawn what time of year they want to spawn when they're going to move to those areas when they're going to pull out from those areas all of those kind of things are very very important on understanding how to time the bite terry but really what i wanted to talk about today terry was just on any given day timing throughout that day can be very very important it can really really aid and lend to you know more success if you can understand the timing and when to hit certain areas and when to fish certain things. So that's kind of what I want to cover here today, Terry.
1: All right. And what are some of the factors that you think affect that timing?
4: Well, you know, let's, let's talk about a few of those. You know, the, the some of the obvious ones are obviously going to be daylight. So early in the morning, late in the evening, you, you definitely get that low light transition that happens. And there's often a feeding window that happens right there. And, you know, new anglers don't often grasp that. That's kind of a, a simple concept. I can't tell you how many times, especially in the fall, Terry, especially this time of year that I get to the lake real early in the morning and I may be coming off the lake at 10 o'clock and other people are just getting to the lake at, t- at 10 a.m. and, You know, they're asking me how the bite was, and I explain, yeah, the bite was great. You know, a lot of surface action this morning. We caught some really big trout, things like that they get out there on the lake and they don't see any of that it's like they're fishing a completely different lake that's because the timing for that bite is very very important sherry so you know being there early in the morning or, or being there late in the evening as that light transitions that can be key on a lot of days to targeting fish now let's talk about some other ones and these are some ones that we've really been running into on boyd for example lately and i had you out on the boat maybe a week and a half or so maybe two weeks ago terry and and we we timed that bite fairly good that morning but we got up there real Early and we were looking for those white bass to pop up and they didn't pop up that morning. So the real early morning stuff that we were looking for didn't really happen for us that day. Uh, you know the grass bite has been a big deal on Boyd. Uh, you know the the, the large mouths especially and some of the walleyes are, are definitely in around that aquatic grass that's left in the lake. You know certain mornings, if it, with an experienced angler like yourself, Terry, for example, I can get there and I can start fishing that grass a lot earlier because you're going to be real good understanding that, you know, if you make a cast, you got to get that spinnerbait or that buzz bait to move very, very fast so that it doesn't get down in the grass. You understand that, you know, you are going to get in the grass at times, but you also have the ability to, to steer that bait up real high in the water column and slide it across some of that grass when you're getting into it and stuff like that. Now, the unexperienced angler, when they show up to that lake and they try to fish that grass, Terry, if they get on that pattern too early in the morning and the sunlight hasn't come up and they can't see the grass they don't have a shot at fishing in and around that grass, area. It's just going to frustrate them to no end. All their casts are going to land right in the grass. They don't really have an idea of what the grass lines look like. So timing that bite, timing that grass line, understanding that at 7 a.m., you may not be able to see the edges of the grass, but if you come back at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, then the edges of the grass are going to show themselves to you, and you'll be able to make really, really accurate casts, hopefully, and not Get into as much of that grass, not be fighting it the whole time you're fishing. Uh, At your cast, in and around, that pattern is a big deal, Terry. And so, you know, timing, that's a big one. Another one that we ran into and that I've been running into lately on Boyd is uh, the dock pattern. You know, any of the lakes that have docks on them, there's often fish located in and around those docks. But a lot of mornings, if you get to those docks too early, Terry, and the sun hasn't even really come up over the horizon, those fish may be located located in and around those docks but they're not pinned to them tight like they are once the sun actually gets up on the water and creates some shade so understanding that you know maybe if you were at those docks a little too early in the morning maybe it's time to leave them you know spend an hour doing something else come back to those docks now you can actually look and see the sun's up and it's created a shade line on the left side of the dock or on the right side of the dock those fish a lot of times definitely associate to that shade especially on a sunny day so on Understanding that, Terry, and also, you know, a lot of times if you're, if you're a little too late to get to that dock bite, let's say you don't get around and you're not on the lake and you don't start fishing the docks until noon, now what you run into a lot of times is the sun is straight up overhead, Terry, so that shade that you might have saw at 9 o'clock or at 10 o'clock to one side of the dock, now the shade is directly under the dock. Well, you know, a really, really experienced angler on certain docks may be able to skip a presentation in under the dock and get to those fish, but the average Joe angler that comes by and attempts to fish those docks, if he's doing it at noon, he's going to struggle a lot of times. He's probably better off coming back at 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, or he would have been better off being there a couple hours earlier, Terry. So understanding that, that those little nuances, those little things that you can pay attention to, now the next time, or you know in the future when you come back to the lake, now you're not wasting time on a pattern or trying to, trying to fish something where your timing is off, Terry. So paying attention to time and documenting the timing, understanding when certain bites turn on will absolutely make you a better angler in the long run, Terry.
1: You're absolutely right. And spending time on the water is one of the greatest ways to do that. Ronnie, we got about a minute left. Where would you go fishing tomorrow if you weren't going to, since there's no Broncos game, where would you go?
4: You know, horse tooth is, is – is the water level's dropping dramatically on horse tooth right now. People are catching a lot of fish. It's a great opportunity to go out and catch a lot of fish. Now, we're not seeing a lot of really big fish being caught, but they're catching good numbers of kind of average size smallmouth up there. Um, Horsetooth would be one of my choices, but it, it may not be that I'm going to Horsetooth just to catch fish this time here, Terry. With the water dropping like it is right now, and right now it's probably 40, 45 feet low from full pool, and it's continuing to drop. Right now is the opportunity to get out on a Horsetooth or walk the banks on Horsetooth, do some fishing because the fishing has been relatively easy, but pay attention to the banks. Pay attention to all that structure and that cover that you're seeing. Uh, document that kind of stuff. Maybe utilize your cell phone to take pictures or drop away points right now on horse Tooth an angler can get out he may not know the lake really well run around that lake and spend some time learning that lake and you're going to catch fish as well terry so horse Tooth would probably be my choice
1: sounds like a great opportunity ronnie ronnie i gotta head out of town again tomorrow but when i get back we need to have some dinner
4: All right. Sounds good, Terry. You have a good one, buddy.
1: Thanks, Ronnie. Ronnie Castiglione from Fishful Thinker. You can find him at fishfulthinker.com and Fishful Thinker on Facebook. You can book a guide trip with him. I'll tell you what, Ronnie and I, he really nailed it on the head. We went out and we went after the white bass, which really didn't happen. We could have searched for those white bass, probably found them deep and scraped up enough fish to have a great day. But instead, we turned our concentration to the largemouth bass And we caught a number of them, and nice ones. In fact, if you go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and scroll down, you will see uh, pictures of some of those fish we caught. We caught a good number of really nice uh, largemouth bass. Also, you should follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. There's a link to my column on the Denver Post. There's a link to every time we put up a new uh, add a television show to our YouTube channel. There's links to what's going on in this show, and we'll be having a trivia contest pretty soon. The answer will show up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook long before we ask the question here on Saturday morning. So follow and like us and we'll do that. I want to thank Kyle for keeping the, the motors running. Karen for keeping me in line and uh, all the guests we had today and join us every Saturday on The Fan from 9 to 11 for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports on 104.3 The Fan.